let children read what they want and then talk with them about it. If parents and kids can talk together, we won't have as much censorship because we won't have as much fear. Judy Bloom. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hole. And I'm Lee Essence. We're talking about a topic that immediately gets people riled up online, and especially a lot of really famous authors. And that topic is censorship. Apparently, you have a hot take on this particular topic. I put the word hot take in the notes as sort of a joke because we were talking about how this is a rage baity thing for our bonus episode, which we recorded earlier today. So yeah, but my hot take on censorship is I'm okay with it to a certain extent. It's very common for people to say, never censor anything, never blacklist any books at all. But I do think that censorship is okay, so long as it's not a third party doing the censorship. If the person providing the book is editing it, fine, that's part of the process. If the person who is in charge of the well-being of the person reading the book wants to say, hey, not yet, I am perfectly okay with that. I do not want a middle schooler to read Lolita because that's uncomfortable in a lot of ways. So I'm going to say, if a parent says, no, you're not going to read that yet, I'm not going to go behind the parent's back and give the kid the book. (laughs) I feel like that's for the child's health. And mostly this happens in the case of children, but a lot of the censorship that you see, as far as who can read which books, happens in school systems. And I think the reason why this is such a debated topic is the argument in the debate about what kind of thing should be censored. It's difficult, and this is a very politically charged topic when it comes to censoring, especially in schools. But for addressing this as authors, as readers, one of, I guess, the better ways to censor something, sort of, is to let the readers decide what they're going to censor out themselves. You are encouraged to make it clear very early on the type of book that you're selling them. If I am saying this is a John Wick-style vigilante series, hopefully none of my readers will go, well, it's got violence in it. Yes. Making it clear what types of triggers that people can expect can have a huge difference in if you get canceled or not, or if you get censored or not, based on the content of your book. In our world today, authors are public figures. Anything can get you canceled. The danger comes, usually, when you are offering opinions on things. And whether or not we agree with the cultural tendency towards canceling, it is a reality that you have to deal with as a public figure, as a public author. Anyone can get canceled for their opinions and for their writing or not writing certain things. I'm okay with people saying, you are misbehaving now, stop it. One of the things that I have trouble with as far as the whole canceling culture is when you go back in time and go, this thing that you did is something we're going to cancel you for now. Buffy the Vampire Slayer broke a lot of barriers in storytelling, especially on the screen, 
they had one of the first major LGBT characters in that type of a series. They've had a lot of breaking of stereotypes as far as females and this kind of thing. And people now are going back and saying, hey, you didn't do enough. This has become a cliche since then, so now it's wrong. People aren't viewing it in the historical context of the time, but in the context of our modern era. At the time, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was very progressive in its queer representation. Yes, there are still problems with especially some of the earlier seasons and how it represented queer and LGBT groups. But it was also the only show at the time that had an on-air lesbian relationship. And it wasn't the butt of somebody's joke. Like so many of the ways that that group was represented in the 90s and early 2000s was, haha, you're dressing like a girl. Or wouldn't it be fun to have a threesome with lesbians? That kind of thing where it's all a joke and this particular show took it seriously. And then relatively recently, a very well-known author came out and said, well, it wasn't queer enough. In the time period, totally fine. Now, she's looking at it with really weird glasses. So don't cancel something because it doesn't match up to your current standards of what things should be. Uncle Tom's Cabin is another very famous example where at the time it was incredibly progressive because it humanized this whole section of the U.S., But now it's seen as promoting a lot of the stereotypes that that whole group of people are trying to avoid. One of the kinds of censorship that I think everyone can agree is bad is when the man censors people. When you have government entities or large groups of third-party people saying, this cannot exist, this cannot be in the hands of certain people, we are not going to recognize this. There was recently a huge problem with the Hugo Awards, which were presented in somewhere in China. I'm not going to try to say the province name because it's difficult for me to pronounce. But the whole thing was that they, without cause, without providing explanations, disqualified major best-selling books from this list and just said, well, they don't qualify you didn't fit our criteria. And they didn't define what criteria it was, which ones they did. And it was disproportionately people of Chinese American or some other free country that were left out because of the stories that they were telling. Because of their personal bloodline, they were left out of the Hugo Awards. And the one that I think has been the most prominent was the author of the book called Iron Widow, which is based on China's first or most well-known female emperor and her rise to power. But it's kind of a queer retelling of that. And a lot of people rightfully called out the disqualification of this as extreme bias against a sapphic story of Chinese history told in a way not approved by Chinese government. And therefore, this person didn't qualify for awards that they should at least have been on the list for. Now, there has to be some sort of filter, something that says, hey, We can't nominate Lieses because she sold fewer than 10,000 books last year. (laughs) I get that. I don't mean to say everyone should qualify for a Hugo Award, 
but these people were very clearly picked out of the batch and tossed over a shoulder so that they wouldn't be included in these ceremonies. And one of those people who was disqualified is a previous Hugo Award winner, Neil Gaiman. And they didn't provide him with an explanation of why he was disqualified as well. And this does not do anything to help people be interested in the Hugo Awards. It's like, oh, well, these guys are clearly a joke because they don't think Neil Gaiman is worth paying attention to. Okay, yeah, I never paid attention to them anyway. But the people who did, there are going to be fewer of them in the future. So we can all agree that it is a really bad kind of censorship. The one a lot of people struggle with is that they're against censorship, but pro-canceling authors for behavior. And they may not see it as being the same thing. And I don't agree with supporting people who do things that are terrible. But there is a difference between not supporting them and censoring them. And it comes down to who is doing the filtering. I am not going to support any of these authors that we've talked about as bad examples this month. And that's going to be enough. If someone picks up this or that book and I'm going to go, yeah, I don't know if you want to support that author. Here's one that you definitely want to support instead. And it's got a lot of the same themes that I know you're interested in. Two books being more or less equal, you pick the one that you want to support more. If someone else comes along and slaps the book out of your hand and says, no, you can't read that and I won't tell you why, <laughs> then maybe an eyebrow should be raised at least. In general, I don't agree with judging people for what they choose to read. I think nonfiction is really boring, but I understand some people find it very interesting and that's what they like to do. Okay, if they want to do that, live their life. As authors who want to have public faces, taking a stance on anything can be dangerous because you never know where the wind is going to blow the next day and who's going to be supported, who's going to be looked down on, who's going to mess up, who's going to be canceled next. My personal suggestion is to stay out of it. As much as people online especially recently, have called for public figures to take a stand on certain very political things, your best course of action is to just stay out of it. Stay in your lane, focus on your writing, focus on your books, and just be an author. Don't try to be a politician. If there is something happening in the real world out there that is relevant to what you've written about, then you can bring it up because this is something you know your audience is already at least vaguely interested in. But if you go out of left field and go, yeah, I know I write spec fic fantasy, but I really think you should vote for this person this year, it can get very slippery very quickly. You can get canceled, especially if something happens in the future. You're better off sticking to what your people are coming to you for. Overall, if you take nothing else from anything we've talked about this month, just remember these two things. Don't be an and write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 